Scaling Up Nation, there are so many things to worry about in today's economy. We are not thinking about insurance. And you know what? That's okay. I know it's okay because when I thought about insurance, I chose the best and that was McGowan Insurance. And I know they are thinking about my insurance. When I'm concerned about how much our raw materials are costing, or even if we can find those raw materials and get them shipped to our facilities and worrying about all of the things that we have to do in this current economy, I can rest easy because they are thinking about me and making sure that I have the best insurance for my company. I get phone calls from McGowan Insurance letting me know that I need to do something different. Does this sound like the relationship that you have with your insurance carrier? If it doesn't, trust me, you are too busy to worry about insurance. Find somebody you can trust like McGowan Insurance. To find out more about McGowan Insurance, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash McGowan. That's M-C-G-O-W-A-N. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, the host of the Scaling Up H2O podcast, and Merry Christmas, everybody. It's hard to believe, but Christmas is here And I'm curious, what are you wishing for towards the end of the year? Have you set up your previous part of the year to make all your goals come true? And if not, well, maybe you can still catch up on some of those items. But if not, I want you to be thankful for all the things that you have. I want you to look at all the blessings that you have around you. Take those into account and make sure that you're trying to bring happiness to somebody else. As I mentioned on a previous episode, our goal is to build each other up according to their needs. So when was the last time you looked at someone else's needs and tried to build them up? I think it's a great thing to practice during this season. And also during this season, uh, just take a look and see how this year went and what you want to do next year. Now, this year is a great proving ground to what you're able to do and maybe some of the challenges that you face this year. You can figure out how to make those advantages as you start planning next year. Now, I really like to encourage people to plan I encourage people to put their goals on their calendar and then commit to doing what's on their calendar. And one of the things that you can do is see what other industries are out there that will help you gain more knowledge. So I'm going to list a couple out to you. And the first one is going to be the hang This is where the Scaling Up H2O podcast gets together with all of our friends on Zoom for exactly one hour. We have a little bit of fun together, but we also network. And I have heard so many stories where people have met each other on the hang. And a lot of times these relationships will turn into problem-solving solutions where somebody had an issue with something they remembered Somebody on the hang worked with that something, they gave them a call, and they got a solution. The hang is always something fun to do, and I try to make it fun as I am the host. So January 12th, 6 p.m. Eastern, you log into Zoom. You can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang to register for that event. And I promise you will not regret spending that hour with us on the hang. In fact, if you know other water treaters, I challenge you to invite them as well. January 12th, The Hang, it's a great way to start off the new year. Something else you may want to put on your calendars is January 13th through 16th, the American Boiler Manufacturers Association is having their annual meeting in Carlsbad, California. So if you want more information on this, you can go to our events page and we will have all of that linked and ready for you. 
Also, February 7th through 9th in Washington, D.C., the World Water Rally. That's hard to say. The World Water Rally brings utility system representatives to Capitol Hill to support funding programs, training, and technical assistance. To find out more about this, we'll have a link on our show events page. And then one of my favorite things to attend every year are the technical training seminars that AWT does. We normally do one in the West and one in the East, and this year's not going to be any different. So in 2023, we're going to be in San Diego, California, February 21st through 24th. And then in Cleveland, Ohio, March 30th through April 2nd. Folks, there is so much going on at these training seminars. I get the pleasure of teaching in several areas. And you have to make the choice which one of the seminars, which one of the concurrent classes are you going to take and we've got something for everybody. So we've got a sales class. We've got an ultrafiltration class. We have a fundamentals and applications class. Now, a lot of you might be thinking, oh, well, I've been in the industry for a long time. I shouldn't take that. But I tell you, it really builds a solid foundation on the knowledge of what we do day to day and prepares you for the water treatment training class which is to prepare people to be the best water treaters that they can be. Now, a lot of people think that that is a certified water technologist training class, and it is not. The certified water technologist exam tests you for your knowledge in the water treatment industry, and it's the knowledge that you should have being five years into the industry. So we teach at the water treatment class for people that have been in the industry five plus years. Now that of course helps you with some of the information that you would need to know on the CWT, but it is by no means teaching you the CWT. That's always something I hear when I go to these events. Also, we do wastewater and there is ASSE 12,080 training. So there's so much going on. If you go to our events page, we will link you straight to that website so you can see all of the things going on and choose the right course for you. I look forward to seeing you there. It's one of my favorite times of the year. And then finally, March 2nd through 3rd in Melbourne, Australia, they are having their Smart Water Utilities Conference. And this is where global water utilities and network services will meet with water leakage experts and smart water technology providers to explore efficient and cost-effective solutions for the water utility industry. If that's something that sounds interesting to you, you can check that out on our events page. Well, folks, I am really excited about our interview, but before we get there, here is a new Thinking on Water with James. Welcome to Thinking on Water with James, the segment where we don't give you the answers, we give you the topics and questions for you to think about, drop by drop. Now let's get to it. In this week's episode, we're thinking about something a little different. We're thinking about Santa Claus and all the gifts he brings. Assuming you have been a good industrial water treatment professional, if Santa Claus could leave you a new piece of water testing equipment in your stocking, what would it be? Would it be a replacement of something you already have? Would it be something you've always wanted instead? If either of these, why haven't you already replaced it? Or why haven't you already gotten it? Could you make it a goal to get it in the new year? What if Santa Claus could bring you a piece of water testing equipment that doesn't even exist yet? What would it be? Take this week to think about what you carry around for water testing every day and how you might just be your own Santa Claus this year. Be sure to follow hashtag TOW22 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O to share your thoughts on each week's Thinking on Water. I'm James McDonald, and I look forward to learning more from you. James, in this season of reflecting back of all the gifts that people have given us, I want to thank you on behalf of the Scaling Up Nation, because each and every week you have gone out of your way to help encourage people to be just a little bit more, to think just a little bit more, to do something just a little 
extra. And you've done that for years now on this podcast, and you are definitely helping to raise the bar in the water treatment industry. And I want to say thank you on behalf of everyone. Well, Nation, you have heard from my previous guest before, and I am really excited to bring him back to you again. Nation, here's our interview. My lab partner today is Reed Hutchison of HOH, and now I'm so proud to announce the Rising Tide Mastermind. How are you, Reed? I'm doing great, Trace. Good to be with you. So Reed's actually been on before. You might remember he was episode 122, and he did such a great job. We had him come back for 123, and we've had Reed on numerous times for uh, the Global 6K, talking about things with AWT, talking about things with the Mastermind. So Reed, welcome back again. Uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about today. Yeah, it was, a, it was a full week in Vancouver, and I'm excited to revisit that. We had a blast, and, and for those that couldn't make it, hopefully we can give you a little taste of you know what we experienced while we were out there. Well, let's start there. And of course, we just aired our convention highlights episode, episode 284. So we won't repeat anything that we had on that episode, but let's just talk about the experiences that we had at the AWT. It wasn't one of the highest attended conventions, but it was definitely packed full with so many great people and so many great speakers, you yourself included in that list. Yeah, I was honored to share a few times throughout the week, including at the business owners meeting and in some of the business track sessions, as well as the charity sessions as well. And uh, I was nervous going into it. It was a lot of speaking that I, I wasn't necessarily used to doing, but I had a great experience, got great feedback, and it was an honor to be able to contribute some of my perspective. Reed, you know that I am a student of trying to improve the way that I speak, and you and I have spoken quite a bit on that. I have to tell you, I am so impressed at the caliber of speaker that you have become. You've been working on your own, I can tell. I don't know if I've recognized that I've been working on it, Trace, but, I, but I, I'm with you. I, I am always looking to learn and improve, and especially with the pressure of being on stage and you know wanting to deliver something that's valuable. I definitely, I definitely worked at my delivery and how to organize the material so that it was effective. And ultimately, you know, I've got a, a strong passion for seeing more people engaged in global water crisis work, charity work. And so with that focus in mind, I, yeah, I looked back at what, what's going to be most effective at, at engaging more people. And, you know, part of that was sharpening, you know, how I organize and communicate you know, during the presentation. Well, it's definitely something you never check the box on. You're always looking at how you can do more, how you can you do better. But I am just so impressed with that. So I just wanted to let you know, the entire Scale Up Nation know that all the work that you are doing to become a better speaker, we, we all appreciate. We're all getting the benefit of. No, thanks for your encouragement. I really appreciate that. And you started out with the business owners meeting. You had several tracks that you were speaking on during the business owners meeting. So I want to talk about that, but there are a lot of listeners that might not know what we're talking about with the business owners meeting. Of course, that does hurt my heart a little bit because we've been promoting the business owners meeting quite some time before we had the AWT convention, but still some people might not know about it. So for the AWT members out there, who goes to the business owners meeting? Probably obvious, but I know there's some other people that attend. Who goes to the business owners meeting? And then what do they get there? Yeah, I mean, it's primarily for business owners. I believe I, uh, it's for primarily like member companies that, that are in the water treatment space, uh, but also vendors to the water treatment community as well. Uh, so for anyone that is an owner in the company, this is an agenda for one day that's specifically speaking to the relevant issues uh, for them. And uh, this year, I think we had over 60 folks uh, in the room for the business owners meeting. I've attended it the last few years. The whole convention is a great experience for me, but I've generally valued that business owners meeting as much as anything in the rest of the convention. For those that have heard about the mastermind, I feel like they're they're very complimentary. And I, I know a lot of folks at the business owners meetings were a part of the mastermind. Uh, but yeah, it's an opportunity to get a little bit more specific to topics that business owners share in common. And this year, the theme was 
thriving and uncertainty. So we covered a range of topics that I think equipped everyone in the room with confidence uh, as they go back into the final quarter of the year. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of my favorite days out of the convention. Reed, what would you say one of your biggest lessons learned in being the business owners meeting was? Each year, we have generally had Scott Hackworth from the Industry Insights group come out. He leads the firm that uh, does the industry benchmarking for financial metrics and some other key topics that serve the member community with knowing how their performance maybe compares with other similar companies in either geographic categories or size categories. And so he has a really valuable perspective for, for all the business, business owners in the room, and I've valued him a ton. This year in particular, he spoke to the challenge of measuring your success in the inflation climate that we've been in and created some very helpful formulas and tools for even the less financial-oriented business owners to make sense of what changes to their profit and loss statement have occurred with inflation and what practical next actions they may need to take to not only maintain, but increase their profitability and financial health. So his perspective every year when he shares is helpful this year in particular, because we're in relatively uncharted territory for for many of us uh, as business owners, uh, it was very practical. He also went into a bit more of the employee engagement and retention side as well of the business because that's also one of the biggest you know issues that we're wrestling with in this industry as well. And so that sparked a lot of really helpful conversation for, for folks in the room, including myself. Reed, you brought it up and I had several potential members for the Rising Tide Mastermind talk to me or ask me this question. They would say, what's the difference between the business owners meeting and the mastermind? It's a wider net at the business owners meeting because not everyone wants to get into the the weekly hour-long call and dig into their personal professional goals and accountability. So if, if you aren't ready to make that weekly commitment to the community and to the mastermind format, the business owners is, is kind of a good flavor of, of that once a year. In my humble opinion, I, I don't think it's sufficient to do just once a year. But I would definitely recommend the business owners meeting if you're not engaged at all, you know, in a mastermind format. I think it gives not only good connection with business owners who you might miss on the convention floor because there's a lot of other people there, but also the topics do get laser focused and practical for for, for business owners. Um, so yeah, there were a number of folks though this year that I know have joined the mastermind because of what they've experienced at the business owners meeting in previous years. And so, yeah, I view them very much as, you know, kind of complimentary events and programs. Yeah. As always, the business owners meeting always gets better and better every year. I know they decided to have it uh, right before Grand Rapids next year. By the way, if you didn't know, that's where the next convention is going to be for AWT. So um, it's always iffy is uh, the business owner going to make for the previous year. And this year was an overwhelming success. So that was really, really nice to hear. Of course, Jill Cavano heads up that committee and she does a fantastic job. So speaking of AWT, I know there's a lot of things that have to happen. Those happen because of volunteers. So if you have an interest of getting involved, by all means, check out the awt.org website and see if there is a volunteer position that you can help out with. They're always looking for committee members. Reed, I'm curious, have you taken advantage of letting people know that they can serve on AWT committees? And then if they come back and told you actually what they got, thinking that they were giving, but they really got more back? Yeah, I, I've we've had uh, other folks on our team join in on committees. I've specifically tried out a few. Uh, that was something that for me, as I got engaged with AWT for the first time after hearing you, Trace, on this podcast, I learned from you that you you essentially show up, usually it's, I think, maybe Friday morning to the committee breakfast, and you can just jump right in. It's, it's an open invitation. And uh, that was really helpful because it can be intimidating if you don't know if there's a registration or if you need to be there. For those that don't know, it really is a show up and ask, and you'll be added to the list, and, and you can start to, to join. I've worked in the Young Professionals Committee before, and most recently I've been involved in the Charity uh, Task Force uh, with my brother-in-law, Andy, 
And then Tammy Faber on our team has been involved in a few committees, including the convention committee, where she got to help support the president of AWT or the upcoming president, Steve Hallier, on shaping the agenda for the convention. So yeah, I, I would love to see more people volunteer. It's always a positive experience. Sometimes it can take you know, one committee or two to, to figure out where you can make the best, you know, contribution. Uh, but it's a great way to meet people, to feel a part of the community. And it is what makes the whole thing go. And so, you know, if you want to see the AWT thrive, um, one of the best ways to do that is to just volunteer, raise your hand and, and jump into a committee that you think maybe is relevant to you. I think everybody has the mindset, I don't have enough to offer, or I don't have the experience, or I'm not the smartest person in the room. Who cares? You know, you're, you're going to meet people. You're, you're going to feel better about answering all of those questions in the future because you're learning, you're giving, and you're also getting. It's amazing the friendships that you and I have both created within the AWT that we wouldn't have had an opportunity to meet otherwise. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can relate to this experience. You you develop relationships a lot of times with just people you work alongside, you know, so if you don't, ha- you know, you show up and you maybe don't have something in common with somebody. Well, if you get into a committee and you start volunteering and you take on a project or two together, that's oftentimes the best ways to to build a relationship. And so it takes courage to jump into a new situation. And uh, I understand that you might question what you have to contribute, but there is a lot of space for more people to join. And so, yeah, if you're on the fence, uh, feel free to reach out and would be happy to also help guide anybody with, you know, a committee that they're curious about. Let's shift gears just slightly. We already brought it up, but let's talk a little bit about the Rising Tide Mastermind. As I introduced you at the beginning of this episode, you are now a facilitator of two groups of the Rising Tide Mastermind. Why are you doing that? Tell us about it. <laughs> well, I think I'm doing it because you you asked me. <laughs> well, there was that, yes. Yeah. I mean, you have a vision for seeing the mastermind grow in number of groups and and folks that are a part of it to expand the impact. And so I am passionate about seeing that vision become a reality and and also I'm aware that there there are constraints, you know, around the systems if we're going to grow the number of groups. And so I was very honored for you to create an opening for me and inviting me to try out leading a group or facilitating a group. And I was a bit nervous at first because I'm used to running meetings within my business, but this, this isn't really a meeting. This mastermind group call is, you know, a collection of peers within the industry. And so holding that space and facilitating, it's a little bit different than what I've done before, but a year in with one group, it's been one of the most rewarding things I have invested my time into. It's one of my favorite hours out of the week. And especially when we had an opportunity to be together at the live event earlier this year, the connection that we've been able to form, even just over a Zoom call, just blows me away. And it, it, it all has to do, I think, with just the values that we share and the format of the hour-long call. And uh, there, there really is a, a culture that's formed out of this mastermind group that I that I love. And now that I've had this experience, both being in a group facilitating one, it's it's something I want more of. And so excited to see it grow. Well, you wish for that, and you definitely got that. We went into the AWT convention. We had a waiting list for your new group, and it wasn't quite filled up. And this was the coolest thing ever that happened during the AWT convention for me. It was about four years ago, uh, I was talking with people like yourself about a mastermind. And some people were familiar with the term, most were not. And I spent most of my time explaining to people what a mastermind group was and why they needed to think about joining. They weren't difficult conversations, but nobody knew about it. Nobody knew what I was talking about. Fast forward to this Vancouver convention I didn't explain to a single person what a mastermind was. Uh, I didn't initiate that conversation, I'll say. I had people come up to me from other mastermind members that were so excited about expressing their experiences that they've had in the mastermind. They said, you need to learn more about this. You need to consider being in this group. And I know you experienced this too. We had sometimes two and three people waiting to talk to us about the mastermind. And 
I didn't initiate any one of those conversations. It was just fantastic. And you mentioned the word community, and that's what it is. It is a heightened community of anything that I have ever experienced in the water treatment industry. And it just uh, allows you to not go through life alone, not go through business alone. I'm curious. I'm talking a lot. What was your experience with that? I'm wholeheartedly with you on it. I was blown away this year relative to the last year. I think sometimes you don't see the progress or the gains, you know, that, you know, something like the mastermind has gotten until you look back and kind of compare experiences. But yeah, definitively this year, it felt like a breakthrough in terms of not only awareness and education uh, amongst the industry around what a mastermind is, but also just the demand for more community around like-minded individuals who are hoping to grow personally and professionally. And uh, that was, it was, it was exciting. That's a vision that I feel like you began casting when you started the podcast, you know, and the mastermind wasn't a thing yet. And so to look back even five or six years with what's been happening with the scaling up H2O podcast leading into the mastermind. Yeah, it's, it's truly a community and it's a growing community and it's an honor to get to be a part of it. I'm very fortunate to, yeah, have been invited by you, Trace, to, to first join a group, to help facilitate a group. And yeah, I've got 12 more people now in this new group that I'm deepening a relationship with and holding space each week and getting a front row seat at uh, people growing personally and professionally. And I'll get to see them at the live event, at the next convention, and hopefully for many more years to come. It's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, not only did we fill up that group, we have a waiting list for the next group. It was just fantastic. Yeah, and it helped me to see that for, for many people, timing is, is really important. And so a lot of people, I think, want to be a part of this community. It's just a matter of it being the right time for them, for their family, in their career. And so I'm so excited to have a waiting list that is going to eventually form a new group. And it's given me a lot of peace just about seeing the vision of 10 groups become a reality because they will form in their own time. And there's an increasing number of people that are, are thinking about this, exploring it, maybe people listening to this podcast right now. And I think I would just encourage you, if, if you're having a thought, if you're even just interested, reach out to Trace and just let them know. This is something that might be for me down the road and start a dialogue with it because it helps us to kind of know, you know, where people are interested and yeah, the next group will form in it in its own time. Yeah, it's interesting when people don't know what to expect, and, and hopefully they're learning more by listening to this podcast, but there's a little bit of suspicion. You know, is this really something that I want to join? Can I freely give information and not have to worry about certain things? And we've got definite rules around what we share and, and all of those things just to make sure that everybody is protected. But I love watching a member that says, I know I need to do this. I'm a little bit on the fence whether, you know, all the things on it, because I've never experienced it before, but I'm going to do it. And now, like you say, you fast forward a year, you do a whirly ball tournament with that person. And it's just amazing the strength, the bonds that you have with the people in your group. Yeah. And I think meeting up at AWT events is, is a great way to get connected. I heard from a few folks that it was connecting over dinner or connecting at a technical training event that helped them experience the community. And then a few months later, they were ready to jump in. Same with the convention. And so if you're curious, I think showing up to the AWT technical training or convention and looking out for, for those that you see are in the mastermind is a great way to get a flavor. Because if you are hesitant about, hey, is this, is this community real? It just takes meeting a few people to recognize that, that it definitely is. Uh, and if you're interested, I also think reaching out to Trace and saying, hey, could I talk with a few folks that are in the industry, even over the phone? And and I am confident you'll get a quick sense of the kind of people that are in this group. And, and you'll know pretty quickly whether it's a community you want to be a part of. And that's where our members are coming from now. It's it's coming from people that are in the Rising Tide Mastermind community. And they're they're talking with people and, and they're saying, you you should investigate this. So it's a great point. Reed, I have to say that one of my absolute favorite things at not only the Vancouver convention, but I saw it for the first time because it was our first convention that we had with the Mastermind in Rhode Island, 
was we process issues together and people realize, oh, we talked about this a couple months ago. And as they were walking through the exhibit hall, they would find a product and they would go get the member that had a particular issue and they would bring them to that vendor and start the dialogue. I saw that numerous times again at Vancouver and it just brings a whole nother level to experiencing the AWT convention. Yeah, and especially for for those that are suppliers or vendors to the water treatment industry, you know, one of the byproducts of this mastermind within the industry is that relationships are deepened, and so communication happens more effectively. And uh, it's given me a great appreciation just for the quality of people within the industry. And sometimes, you know, having a bit more of a relationship does allow you to go in confidence to bring up an issue, work through an issue. It just opens up the channels of communication, I think, more effectively. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great byproduct because we want everyone within the industry to flourish, including those that are selling products or purchasing. And at the end of the day, you know, there's business happening, but we're all just people. And I think the mastermind gets at that and opens up the conversation a bit more and and yeah, our in the middle format on the on the weekly calls definitely helps people get comfortable with there being problems and issues, and and we solve them quicker. It's it's almost a skill that that you you hone and develop each week in and out, and it's refreshing when you get to meet with somebody who who knows how to do that. You don't recognize it until you interact with somebody who hasn't really honed that problem solving skill or some of those communication skills. But when you're around people that do like within the mastermind community, it's, it's refreshing. Absolutely agree. Well, something that the mastermind embraced because of you, and we've talked about it here on the Scaling Up H2O podcast, is the, the global 6K. So I want to talk a little bit about that, but more specifically, you shared with the AWT, the global 6K. Was that your fifth presentation you did at AWT? Yeah, and for those for those that you know weren't there, you know, I wasn't I wasn't solo on each of these presentations. For one, I, I got to share alongside BJ Ketrick, which was a real honor. For a few others, it was a panel shared presentation with Matt Corn, with my dad and brother in law Andy. Uh, but yeah, on Saturday morning, I had a presentation that was a hundred percent me delivering. It was probably the the presentation I was most nervous about, simply because the amount of time I had and, and responsibility for delivering uh, effectively. But yeah, it was it was probably the, the most important one to me just because of that. You did a great job. And a lot of people that were in the room, I think, had heard it for the first time as, as you were delivering it. And I will say that for the mastermind, it created another sense of community because now we're all doing something together for other people. And we all felt great about it. And then to add another level to that, we were doing it with the mastermind, but separately also as our companies. And that allowed us to work with our teams in a way that we normally don't do and let them know that we touch water and not everybody gets the privilege of having an unlimited supply of water like we have all grown up with. And, and just knowing that our job, if we do it right, can save more water than, than any other profession out there. And now we can also do something for people that don't have access to clean water. It just brings our teams to a whole different level. And it also gets us out of the day-to-day grind so we can do something different with our teams and celebrate that we're in the, the water industry doing something for something else. So all of that is just to say thank you for allowing us to be aware of the cause and giving us options to get involved. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm humbled by uh, the number of people that have said, yeah, I'd like to give, you know, I'll give some money or, or most of what we've asked is, hey, will you give your time and will you give some of your reputation by sharing with others to raise awareness of this issue in the world? And it's been a beautiful expression, I think, of the community that we've seen having more and more companies and teams and individuals connect what they do in water treatment to helping people receive clean water every day. Well, you opened up your talk on Saturday morning at the AWT in Vancouver with the question, where will you be? Tell us about that. 
the question was an important one uh, because it's it's the one that has kept me captured by the work of bringing clean water. There are about 771 million people in the world today that live without basic access to clean water. So water to drink, water to bathe. And that issue compounds a lot of other challenges that folks in developing countries like Rwanda or Zambia experience. And that number, although it seems big, is a number that could be zero by the year 2030 based on goals that the government has set in the UN for helping reduce or eliminate poverty and also goals that large organizations that provide clean water like World Vision, they believe that it is achievable by the year 2030 to turn that number from 771 million to zero, which feels like an amazing task, an amazing milestone. But the reality that that is not a aspirational goal, but could be a concrete goal causes me to think eight years from now in the year 2030, where will I be? Is, is that something that when it happens, I will be able to confidently raise my hand and say, I had a part in that. And that question for me keeps me motivated to continue to participate in the work and contribute what I do have. But that inspiration for me is something that I hoped to share with the folks at the AWT convention and open up this story of where will you be when in 2030? My hope is that there will be many more people with me raising their hands saying, I am honored to have played a part in that, but it is a choice to make. And so the question I think is, you know, a helpful way of, of, of thinking about where, where do you want to be and, and what are you investing your time in and how cool would it be? you know, if this is something we could actually play a concrete role in. Reed, when you gave your presentation, you let the entire audience know that you were a third generation business and how you came into HOH and what that initial experience was like, and then ultimately what the global 6K meant to you with that experience. Can you share that to our listeners? Yeah. So about eight years ago, I, I joined my my father's business in Chicago, and we're a regional independent water treatment company. And I was excited to be working with my dad. He, he was my hero. And I was also very interested in working in the water treatment industry. Water is a significant resource. I knew that. And so being a young professional, a millennial uh, generation, um, was excited to kind of make a difference with my career. And uh, I had a good experience. But to be honest, you know, a year in, I was confronted with, you know, the reality that there are many days doing this job that don't feel significant and are difficult to connect to, you know, a cause that that maybe changes the world and, you know, I know I'm not alone on this, but I I personally kind of felt a little disillusioned and, you know, felt like, hey, you know, this job that I wanted it to be personally fulfilling, you know, maybe is just about, you know, paying the bills, you know, and making money. And so there was, there was a bit of a disconnect from what I had hoped or expected my career in water treatment would be and, and what I experienced together. And so what I ended up sharing uh, on Saturday was that for a while, I, I went outside of the company to find inspiration and personal fulfillment. And somebody from my church actually invited me to run the Chicago Marathon with World Vision. And it was through that experience that I learned about the challenge that millions of people face without clean water. And I experienced what it was like to play a part in helping address that problem. And that was a a really transformative experience for me. And at the same time, my dad, you know, wanted to see the team that he had engaged in causes beyond just the business. And we ended up putting our heads together and realized that the 6K for water that World Vision hosts was a way to bring some of that personal fulfillment and experience I had had outside doing the Chicago Marathon into the company in a way that wasn't just the business giving money, but was an opportunity for us to come together as a community within HOH to make a difference. And there was an integration of what I was hoping to see when I first started, both you know being successful in the water treatment business, but also knowing that it's making an impact. And so today we have 
more people that can say that what we do as a business, our mission and purpose actually makes them feel their job's important. And I feel like my job's more important the more we've aligned and kind of connected as a community. But that took us many years, you know, and it took us, for me personally, kind of searching and discovering and trying to connect the problem. And I think it's a challenge that we aren't alone in facing, either me or my dad or our business. And so hopefully that story serves to maybe connect with where other people are at and, you know, causes them to think about what they can do to not only make a difference in the global water crisis, but also find more personal fulfillment in their work and engaging, you know, the different generations, you know, that, that are part of their company. So Reed, this started out as a personal journey for you. You turned it into a company journey, but then there was at some point you decided you wanted to make it even bigger. You wanted to bring it to all water treatment companies. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think the reality is, is that even just one company, we can't give nearly enough, you know, to make a difference. So I think at one level for me, I genuinely want to see the global water crisis end. And I know it's a task that's far bigger than one person, one company. And so I think as I work backwards from that challenge, the the only way I see us actually realistically solving that is to involve more people. And there are a few people in this world that can give a lot, right? But there are a lot of us that can at least give a little. And so the thinking started to expand around not just trying to give as a company uh, or as an individual, but what if we could engage more uh, firms like us in the water treatment industry to to do something similar? And perhaps it's not hundreds of people that are engaged in the global water crisis, but also thousands. And so the idea is that the more of us that are aware of this challenge, the more of us engaged, the more realistically we can actually end the global water crisis by 2030. And then secondly, you know, one of the big topics in the AWT industry and for like business owners is attracting talent to want to be a part of what we do in water treatment. And there's definitely a gap between folks that have been in this industry for 30 to 40 years and some of the younger folks that are just coming in. And so I think it's a challenge for all of us collectively to continue to attract talented people that want to be a part of the water treatment industry. And so the secondary benefit of aligning with a global water crisis cause is that I think there are more people that will want to be a part of what we're doing in this industry um, because there's a connection between our day-to-day work and making a difference in the world. And so I would love to be a part of not just a company that makes a difference, but to be a part of an industry that makes a difference in the world such that people would know and associate groups like the AWT with you know, helping solve the global water crisis. That's just something that, I don't know, I believe would make me incredibly proud and probably many other people too. I have no doubt. Can you share what other companies have done to get involved and help their employees get involved? Yeah, so as part of the presentation, I sought out about 20 different member companies just to ask them about their experience with giving. And as I talked with these different firms, I heard a lot of different stories and noticed a few different uh, common trends or patterns. And one thing that I shared on Saturday's presentation back in September was that we have a very generous group of individuals within the AWT community. But many of the business owners that I talk to give personally. More often do they give personally than through their company. And so there were a handful, though, that have engaged their teams uh, through causes like World Visions, Global 6K for Water, or through organizations like Pure Water for the World. And one, I think the most promising stories that I had heard was with Guardian, CSC, and uh, BJ Ketrick, where they have not only engaged in the Global 6K for Water, having organized their team for a picnic and doing the 6K distance together, but they've also invited their employees and their team members to give to Pure Water for the World, which operates in Haiti and Honduras. And they actually help support the giving through their payroll every two weeks. And so they've creatively engaged their team. Pure Water for the World has actually come out to their company to give an update and to share the impact of their dollars. And I think that's really on the cutting edge of really engaging a company in this kind of work. And so sharing BJ's story, I think, 
inspires other people to say, hey, we could do something um, like that. And uh, many people expressed interest in trying to find ways to connect. Some of the patterns, though, that we saw is that, you know, this journey looks different for different companies, and there's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And so what seems to have worked for companies like BJ's group at Guardian is there has to be a genuine passion within the leader or the owner for wanting to make a difference uh, through a water-related charity. And then it also has to kind of fit your own unique story or culture. And if you don't have those two pieces, it can be really challenging to engage folks because it doesn't feel authentic and, and folks are smart. They pick up on that. And then you also need some help, somebody else besides the owner or the leader to help facilitate communication and organize people. And so one of the actions that I, that I shared on presentation in September was really to decide what can you give. It doesn't have to be a lot. And to share with your team your desire. And that sparked a lot of conversations that I had with folks after the presentation that got them thinking about their organization and, and, and how this could play for them. Reed, if there was somebody listening today that they're not the owner of the company, but they do want to get involved, obviously they can they can do these things on their own. But if they wanted to talk with the owner of the company, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, I would say first, maybe explore what you might want to get engaged in personally. So for me, that was an invitation to World Vision. But the other two that I shared at the presentation was uh, Pure Water for the World check out their organization. They are a partner of the AWT uh, and they have some great opportunities to give. Charity Water as well is another organization that makes it very easy for individuals to get engaged. And then approaching your, your boss or you know the, the leader of the company with your personal experience and your passion and the difference that it made for you, I think is, is the right place to start. A lot of folks would say, hey, you know, my boss is busy. They've got a lot of things going on. But you know, at the end of the day, your boss does care about you and uh, wants to serve you and help you. And so if you're just clear about you know, a passion or an interest, they're going to listen. But then the next main challenge is, you know, that they're probably going to ask is, well, what do you want me to do about this? What should I do? And so having an idea in your head around what could work for your organization to present, and it could be something as simple as saying, hey, we would like to organize a picnic in May. And we can set up our team with World Vision for the 6K for Water, and we can just invite people to participate with friends and family. It could be something that simple. But the main pattern that I, I tried to speak to business owners on is that a, a lot of us talk about the challenge of hiring and recruiting and retaining qualified people, and then engaging the folks that are maybe a bit younger in the millennial generation. And so if that's a pain point, which it probably is, if you've seen turnover within that generation, I think connecting the cause to that general challenge is another convincing reason why they should maybe take a chance on, on trying out a, a program like this. I think that's great advice. We spoke about World Vision. They do the global 6K. One, how did they come up with a 6K? Why isn't it a 5K? Everything else is a 5K. Yeah, it's a 6K because that is the average distance that folks walk for water on a daily basis in areas where they don't have closer access. And so the 6K for water is an effective way of not only communicating the challenge, because just like you, Trace, why is it 6K? Well, hey, this is what's happening. Uh, but secondly, it's the 6K so that you can actually have a personal experience when you're doing the walker run to think about you know, what is this experience like for children and women that are that are walking every day? And if you do it once, you know, like we're going to do in May again, it doesn't seem that bad. But when you consider doing it every day and needing to carry water as well, you begin to start to realize the impact that it has. And what it does is it prevents children from being in school and learning and growing. It prevents women from participating, you know, in economic development. It also leaves uh, folks vulnerable on the paths walking for water to attack that are vulnerable. And so the opportunity cost of folks needing to walk for water is, is huge in a community that's, that's stuck in poverty and is, and is hoping to develop. And so uh, the 6K for water is a great way to experience and get a personal you know, connection to the cause. And it's a great and easy way to invite more people to participate. 
So we participate in the Global 6K. We, we walk six kilometers. How does that bring water to the 800 million people that need it? Yeah, so ending the global water crisis is a team effort. And so there are many organizations like World Vision. They're the biggest. Uh, there's also smaller organizations like Pure Water for the World that are hyper-focused on specific areas and countries. On average, though, the work that these organizations are already doing it costs them about $50 to deliver clean water to one person. And so this challenge is unique because it's not us trying to figure out how to go to Mars, right? And solving that kind of challenge. It's a, it's a solvable issue. And so there's already infrastructure built with these organizations to meet the need. Delivering clean water is one of the most kind of cost-effective ways of helping people in poverty. The challenge in the bottleneck really is strictly funding, and directing the kind of financing that organizations like World Vision and Pure Water for the World need to do, to do the work. And so for us here in the United States or in a developed country, our time and labor is not needed to go travel to places like Rwanda to do the work, but simply to help raise awareness and dollars that go to these causes. So the 6K for water, when you do that distance and you sign up, the registration fee is $50. And so you signing up for the race and giving $50 with your registration helps one person because those funds go to an organization that's doing the work in country. What also happens, though, is that when you participate and register and share with others what you're doing and why, people will have an opportunity to give. And more often than not, folks are looking for good causes to give to. And so money ends up being raised through the event. So last year, what we experienced within the water stream industry was almost $100,000 that was raised through companies sponsoring their employees to, to register, employees registering themselves, and then other donations that came in through people donating. And that contributed to thousands of people getting clean water. Yeah, it was amazing how many people in the Scaling Up Nation signed up last year. We'll, of course, give them the opportunity to do that as the Scaling Up Nation this year. But then also how many companies signed up. Uh, I mentioned mastermind companies, but also all over. Uh, AWT companies were signing up. So what do we expect next year for the Global 6K? What are the dates? What do we need to do? What are the calls to action? Yeah, so the Global 6K for Water with World Vision is going to be happening this year on May 20th. And so for you that want to join in as an individual, uh, we're going to have a scaling up team uh, that you can find on the Scaling Up H2O website. And so if you want to participate as an individual, we'd love to have you as part of the Scaling Up H2O team. If you're listening and you have the ability to maybe create a team for your community or your business, like we've done and, and a few other companies have done, you can also go to the Scaling Up H2O site and we'll have some instructions there on how you can create your own team. And so one way or the other, we'd love for you to just try out the 6K. You can do it from anywhere. Uh, ideally, you would do it on May 20th while the rest of the community is doing it across the world. Last year, we had tens of thousands of people across the world doing it and almost a thousand people in the water treatment community. We're hoping for even more this year. So very easy to do. If you can't do it on that date, I know of a few teams that are actually going to be doing it earlier because it works with their uh, their calendar a bit better. And so that's an option as well. But check out the Scaling Up H2O page to get more information on the 6K for water. Sign up as yourself or sign up as a team and be a part of the experience. Well, Reed, I want to thank you for once again coming on the Scaling Up H2O podcast, sharing more information about this, this great cause. And not that not having water is fun, but it, it really does bring an extra level of community and fun to do something about it. And I can't stress enough how difficult it is as a business owner to find new and fun ways to engage your team. And you've brought one that has really helped our company. We all engage around it. We all know that we're doing something that's bigger than ourselves. And it's, it's just a way to get out of the day-to-day -day and help do something for other people. So thank you for allowing us that opportunity. Yeah. And thanks, Trace, for helping uh, us share the invitation with more people. It's a lot of fun to do this with friends like you. And yeah, just happy to be a part of it. 
Reed, once again, thank you for coming on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And thank you for everything that you do in my community. Of course, Reed's been on this podcast several times. He's helped me with content several times. And he is one of the facilitators in the Rising Tide Mastermind. And Reed is one of those individuals that we get together on a regular basis. And as facilitators, we dream about what the mastermind could be. And there's always something out there that you may not know about, but it is just a perfect fit for you. And when you do it, time just speeds up. You don't even think about it as working and you just love being there. And one of the most exciting things about creating the Rising Tide Mastermind is watching Reed develop. Reed is a facilitator of two Rising Tide Mastermind groups. And just watching him work with the individuals that he facilitates and him as a facilitator, you can see that is his sweet spot. He was made to do it. And he didn't know about that until he started doing it within the Rising Tide Mastermind. And I have to tell you, that has been one of the most rewarding things to watch in the Mastermind. Reed, thank you for stepping up with that. And uh, thank you for trusting me along our journey. Now, Reed and I met at an AWT technical training. He actually listened to me when I would advise people to go to both trainings. And uh, one training, they would take the fundamentals and applications. And on the second training, they would take the water treatment class. Well, Reed did that. And I met him in the first uh, fundamentals and applications class. And Reed and I started talking. And then when I saw him again for the water treatment class, we actually went out for dinner. And Reed and I had a great conversation. We started uh, to just relate to each other very well. But, you know, Reed was a little bit suspicious. You know, why, why am I doing all these things? Why do I have this mastermind? Why do I do this podcast? And very quickly, he came to realize it was because I do want to build the industry up. I do want to leave the industry better than I found it through works that I'm doing and trying to get people to do a little bit more in their industry so they can leave it better than they found it. And it didn't take long. Reed told me that that was one of his missions as well. And of course, this interview proves all the things that he's trying to do to help us help others And we just naturally clicked, and we've been working together ever since. And I'm just so pleased for him to share all the things that he's doing with you on the podcast. And of course, one of the things he mentioned was the World Vision Global 6K for Water. That's going to be on May 20th this year. So mark your calendars. And Nation, let me tell you, if you are an employer... This is something so easy for you to do that will help bring your team together that is so different from the normal day-to-day that we experience. Your team will talk about it for a long time. Now, for you that are members of a team, you can bring your team together with the same thing. And I think if you explain to your employer that whenever you get people together outside of an activity that's work-related but still bonding with all your work community, that creates community. And it's such an easy way to do all of those things and you will feel great in the process and you will learn about the world water crisis in that whole endeavor. So you can go to the websites that we have on our show notes page to find out more. Of course, as Reed mentioned, we are going to be doing another scaling up H2O team. We had lots of people that joined that And that way they weren't running individually, they were running with us. How did they do that? Well, folks, you do it wherever you are and you just post that you are doing it. And then we kind of motivate each other within that team. We have special hashtags that we share and we can see each other doing that and giving each other some accolades for it. Now, you can also create your own team. We'll have links for that as well. That is also very easy. And again, that is such an easy way to get out of the day-to-day and do something that's going to impact so 
many people. Again, that's going to be on our show notes page. All of that will be up there. And I hope you plan to run this year. And if you don't want to run, you can walk it. You can do whatever you need to do to cross the finish line. The fact is, is that you completed it and you're telling people about what it is that you are doing. Well, Reed, again, thank you for sharing all the things that you did on today's podcast. As you've noticed, the theme of today's podcast is how can we give back? So what is something that you can do that helps build somebody else up according to their needs? A lot of us in the water treatment industry are just so blessed with all of the great things that water treatment has brought us. And the fact that we can just turn on the faucet anytime that we want and clean, clear, drinkable water comes out of the faucet, we don't even think about it. Well, not everybody has that same privilege. And whether that's the cause you choose to help with or just making this industry a little bit better one day at a time, I hope you do both. But whatever it is that you do, I hope you keep others in mind as you do it. Nation, I hope you had a great Friday and I will talk with you next week with a brand new episode. Skyline Nation, life is too short to do it alone. And that's why I have been in a mastermind for over a decade. It's why I started the Rising Tide Mastermind, and it's why the Rising Tide Mastermind is so successful. You do not need to face your problems alone. You don't need to face your issues alone. You can learn from others' experiences so you don't have to repeat their mistakes and you can get further faster because others are giving you a hand. To find out more, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if this is the right group for you.